Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We are here. We are here. L.A. Gridiron Weekly on a Saturday. Good morning, Los Angeles. Good morning, all the listeners out there, Orange County, all the way down to San Diego, up towards Santa Barbara, all up and down California, and across the country, if you're listening, on the ESPN app. This is L.A. Gridiron Weekly with myself, Kirk Morrison, eight-year NFL veteran, Raiders, Jaguars, and the Buffalo Bills. Oh, man, so excited for a great show we got lined up for you today. Going to get into a little bit of everything. I got a nice little mix, a mix of NFL, college football. And if you don't believe me, if you do not believe me, I, I, I listen to the listeners. I listen to the people who tweet at me, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at ESPN Los Angeles, tweeting at me also i read the tweets i listen this show la gridiron weekly is all about you all about us it's the family of football and for all my laker fans out there trust me i know it's a little tough um lakers eliminated from the playoffs this week um so now a lot of people okay where do i turn the page to do you follow the Clippers, if you're a Clipper fan, or if you're a non-Clipper fan, do you still follow the NBA? That's your favorite team, uh, especially a lot of people here in L.A. The Lakers aren't in it. You can say, you know what, I'll just move to baseball and watch some Dodgers. Great series right now going on. Rematch of the NLCS, Dodgers, Braves this weekend. Or you can also come along for the ride here. Come along for the ride on L.A. Gridiron Weekly as we talk football. Even in the off-season, right? Off-season football, where we're talking not only just the Rams, the Chargers, throwing the Raiders. We just talk about NFL football. But I listened to you. And last week I had John Wilner on. We talked some Pac-12 football. We got into USC, UCLA, and the people have spoken. We want more UCLA, USC talk. So I'll give a little bit more. And I got some great guests lined up for us today. Coming up, 9.30 a.m., we got James H. Williams. He's the uh, digital content producer over at the OCU Register. He covers UCLA football. He'll be coming up, giving us the lowdown on UCLA and what they have to uh, get done, get accomplished, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this season. Then coming up right after that, 10.30 uh, today. Actually, no, at 10 o'clock. I'm sorry, 10 o'clock. I got my guy Ryan Karchi. That's right, Karchi. Spelled K-A-R-T-J-E, Ryan Karch. He'll be joining us at 10 a.m. He's the USC Trojans football writer for the L.A. Times. So we're going to get a chance to talk some USC, talk some UCLA football, but we're going to get into the NFL as well. But also your phone calls, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, hashtag L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Now that I've set the stage, Steve Pelle, it's time for the opening kickoff. This is LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. And with the flash of the cameras going on. It's time for the opening kickoff. <laughs> opening kickoff this week is brought to you again by my Twitter handle. I'm still looking for a sponsor, okay? I'm still looking for my advertiser. I'm getting it going here, everybody. This show, can you believe it? Can you believe this show's been two months of Gridiron Weekly already. We're two months in, and I'll thank you each and every episode, each and every show, for you out there listening, giving me your feedback, what you want to talk about, what we can talk about. I love it here. Thank you so much to you. So brought to you again by my Twitter page today 
is uh is my is the sponsor for the opening kickoff. But I want to get to couple to two things first before we get into some thoughts on expectations for the Rams. My buddy Keyshawn Johnson had some uh, words about what the Rams should expect this season. Also, Tom Telesco talked about some things as well with the Chargers and what he expects from Brandon Staley, also from the Chargers just overall in general. But this week, I had a chance. And if you have not, please go check out my Twitter page, at Kirk Morrison. This past week, I had a chance to go check out Allegiant Stadium. Allegiant Stadium, not SoFi. I've been to SoFi already. Still, one of the best stadiums in the NFL. I had a chance to go see Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. And when I tell you this stadium is remarkable, it's up there. It, it, It is there. I've been to every stadium in the National Football League, by the way. Every stadium in the NFL I've been to, all of, all of them. <laughs> I've been inside all of them. I've, I've played in majority of them. I would say I've played in, whew, let's see, outside of SoFi, outside of Allegiant and Levi's. I mean, this, I retired in 2012. Okay, my final season in the NFL was 2012. All right, so 2013 and on, any stadium that was built, I probably didn't play in it. But I've played in a lot of the others. You know, I've played at Lambeau Field, played in Baltimore, the old candlestick where the 49ers played at. You know, played for my home games when I was with the Raiders at the Oakland Coliseum, played down in Jacksonville, played at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Seattle, Washington, Philadelphia. Man, I'm getting some goosebumps and memories. What can I say about Kansas City and Arrowhead Stadium? But I had a chance to tour Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And I will say this. A couple weeks back, we had Charlotte Carey on. She's the director of broadcasting for the NFL. And she kind of told us that this season, they want the NFL wants to highlight the brand new stadium that did not get a chance to have fans in the stands last year. Those two stadiums in particular, SoFi, home of the Rams and the Chargers, and the Raiders Stadium, Allegiant Stadium. There was no fans there. There was no juice. There was no buzz. And while I had visited SoFi during the training camp and went to scrimmages and practices there, it just felt so empty. This brand-new stadium, beautiful, SoFi. But I couldn't really get the feel of it with no fans. Same thing. Allegiant Stadium, as I walk through Allegiant Stadium, uh, the beauty, the sight lines, the Las Vegas Strip in the background. The remarkable thing about this is I was drafted by the Oakland Raiders back in 2005. And being a Raider alumni, I kind of have Allegiant Stadiums in my heart because there's there I have a legacy brick. And when I say a legacy brick is all alumni who have played for the Raiders organization, there's a brick with your name and your number associated with the stadium. It's right out front of the stadium. I had a chance to go see it. I took a picture of it. If you want to go check it out, go to my Twitter handle at Kirk Morris. And I posted it on Twitter today. I posted it on Instagram today because it was truly remarkable to see my name 
on a piece of history, on a piece of history, Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Raiders in Las Vegas. And it was just, you know, so many emotions for me seeing that and looking at this stadium. And I'm just in my mind, I kept thinking about SoFi as well. I'm thinking about these two stadiums that when the season comes around this year, will be at full capacity. That's 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 the belief. That's what I'm going with. I'm not holding back. I cannot wait for football. For the fans in particular. For the fans in particular to go see these beauties of stadiums. Walking through the locker rooms. I've done the Allegiant tour. I've done a half SoFi Stadium tour. And next week, I can't wait. We've got some I got some guests coming in next week. Next week's show. I've got some folks from SoFi come in and talk about the experience, what's upcoming at SoFi. Uh, I've also got uh, a photographer who's been photographing all the moments so far at SoFi. And I can't wait for you to get some more behind-the-scenes stuff when it comes to football here in Los Angeles. So that's where LA Gridiron, Gridiron Weekly is going in the coming weeks as the OTA part of practices in the offseason are coming to an end and the mini camps, the mandatory mini camps are coming. But I want to just start this program just talking about just the, 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 the stadiums. If you have not had a chance to go take a tour of SoFi or Allegiant or whatever it is, I'm one of those guys. I grew up watching football. I grew up wanting to be a part of football, not necessarily an NFL player. A lot of people said, man, I know it was your dream to be an NFL player. I would say, no, not really. My first love was baseball. <laughs> I was a baseball player growing up. And obviously, uh, my genetics or the way that God made me, uh, I, I became a football player. And it was probably the best decision I had made uh, was transitioning from baseball to football. But I grew up wanting to be a broadcaster. And look, I'm doing actually what I love to do right, just right now currently as a broadcaster, doing college football, NFL, uh, and just football in general. But to see stadiums, I was always a stadium guy. I would build like stadiums out of my Legos <laughs> and would say, man, look at this. Like I marvel at stadiums and it's not just the NFL stadiums. I'm in awe of just going to college settings. I mean, when I, when I do college football uh, during the, during the season, I go to some of these stadiums and I have producers, I have people. They always tell me, Hey Kirk, we got to go. We got to go. And I'm saying, just give me a moment. Just give me a moment because I look at, and I just sit back and I can feel the, the echoes. I can feel the history. I can feel the plays that were played, the moments that were there. Stadiums are deep. They're in my heart, man. I love them. I love being there, just sitting down and watching them, pictures of them. They just give me goosebumps. And to think they will all be filled up coming this season. Wow, I cannot wait for that. Woo! All right, I had to get that off my chest. That's how I wanted to start the program today. But we got a lot that we got to get to, everybody. Got a lot that we have to get to. I mentioned it. James H. Williams, the reporter, UCLA football reporter for the OC Register. He'll be coming up at 930. Then we got my guy Ryan Karchi, the football reporter for USC for the LA Times. He's coming up at 10 a.m. But right now, currently, the OTAs are happening for the Rams and the Chargers. OTAs, organized team activities for the culmination of the mandatory minicamp 
And then guess what? Summer break happens. Summer break for the NFL. I call it the dog days of summer because there is nothing going on. There is nothing. But I got some things that we're going to work on on LA Gridiron Weekly that we're going to have some fun while the NFL kind of takes its break before the season starts. But my buddy Keyshawn Johnson, former number one overall pick, former USC Trojan, great Keyshawn Johnson, he got some expectations for the Rams. He's got some thoughts on what this season for the Rams is really all about. I'll tell you about that next, coming up here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. 877 710 ESPN. 877-710-3776 is the phone number. LA Gridiron Weekly, the hashtag LAGW on Twitter. ESPN Los Angeles at Kirk Morrison on Twitter as well. Like I said, so much to get to. Um, just excited just about the opportunity that this week, the OTA p- portion of off-season workouts for some teams will be coming to a close. They, the mandatory mini camp, and especially for the Rams too, because the Rams actually they will have their final practices this week. They will have a mandatory mini camp. So that means everybody has to be there. And if you don't come to mandatory mini camp, that's the one mandatory part of off season. That's the only thing you got to be at mandatory to be at mandatory mini camp. And the Rams will have an open practice on Thursday. So make sure if you have not went to go see if you can grab some tickets for that, make sure you go to the Rams.com, go check it out. They will have an open practice at SoFi stadium on Thursday from 4 PM to 7 PM. So for all those who have not had a chance to go talk, uh, go see SoFi, this could be your opportunity. So go check it out. The Rams.com. There's an open practice for the Rams on Thursday as they will end their off season with the mandatory mini camp but that being said um we're gonna get to some phone calls in just a minute so if you just hang just tight for just a second because i'm talking about the otas and all the mini camps and this week the big buzz was uh, an outstanding throw if you have not seen it it was circulating through social media all over the nfl channels everywhere uh, matthew stafford toss to Cooper Cup in the end zone, a one-handed grab by Cooper Cup during the OTAs for a touchdown. And if you're not excited about Matthew Stafford and what he brings as a quarterback to this Rams team, whoa, you are missing out. I'm excited for what he can do in Los Angeles. But my colleague Keyshawn Johnson, he had some thoughts on the Rams and honestly what this season is all about here's Keyshawn on what this Ram season is really all about I think the one thing that, that Sean has that's right there all the systems for the most part are the same mm-hmm. it's terminology okay learning the verbiage but once you process it the route combinations are the same the protections to a degree are the same the running games it, you only can go left or right or up the middle you know it's not like you could do some other stuff right you go <laughs> left or right or up the middle right. they call it different things depending on which guard is pulling if you're pulling a tackle versus a center but it's still somebody pulling um, yes all the pressure is certainly on 
on Sean McVay, in my opinion, because you took a guy that took you to a Super Bowl in a couple playoff appearances and won some divisions to the point where there was no return. You couldn't stand him anymore. You had to make a late season decision on who to start at quarterback. Uh, and so you you say to yourself, you're out. I got a guy that I believe can get it done. So it's boom or bust for the Rams. It totally is. Either they go to the Super Bowl or it's a bust. So it's this year. Oh, absolutely. Mm, there you have it. It's Keyshawn Johnson on, uh, I believe, was it on, on his show, Keyshawn, uh, J. Will, and Zubin in the mornings. Wow. That's a <laughs> that's lofty expectations put on these Rams by Keyshawn Johnson, but I agree. It, it, it's Super Bowl or bust. For a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple years back against the Patriots, you feel like you upgraded at the quarterback position with Matthew Stafford uh, over Jared Goff. This is a team that made the playoffs last year, made the divisional round. So to me, at, at at worst, you have to get to at least a conference championship, right? Because last year you got to the divisional round. So you got to get to a conference championship game to be one game better than you were a year ago, right? Than you were a year ago with Jared Goff slash John Walford. So Super Bowl or bust is not unrealistic of an expectation for a football team, honestly, everybody, of a football team that felt that they upgraded at the position where they felt they weren't as strong at, which was the quarterback. So that's what Matthew Stafford presents. That's what that's what this season is going to be all about for the Rams. I, I believe him. This isn't about, oh, making the playoffs. You've done that before. You've done that for the uh, three of the four years with Jared Goff and Sean McVay together. So now for year five for Sean McVay, he's got a new quarterback. Making the playoffs is just not good enough. It's now get to the Super Bowl. It's now, okay, winning the Super Bowl. That's the expectations for the Rams. That's what should be the expectations um, for all the Rams fans out there. So I believe Keyshawn wholeheartedly on that. A guy who, uh, who this week had a chance to talk to the media, and I love talking to Big Wit. Andrew Whitworth, left tackle for the Rams. Guy who I competed against when I was in the National Football League, but yet this man still keeps on going. Looks great, but he's a part of the OTAs. He's been out there running around, and Big Wit talked about the chemistry that's needed for this Rams team and why that they're all around and developing that chemistry here in the OTAs. Here's Big Wit. I think it's really important this time of year, really, um, you know, for guys to, uh, you know, really hone in on what they need to do well and, and uh, their techniques, uh, the, what they see, what they understand, what they don't know, um, kind of finding those things that where they could be better and, and they might have something that they haven't done as good in the past, finding a way to be better at that. I mean, I really think the off-season time to me, I mean, it's obviously really good to be together and to have some time where we get to get out on the field and take some snaps and just have that camaraderie time. I think that that's uh, when you love this game, you love getting out on the grass and just being together doing some drills and things, but it's really about that individual mentality of, you know, what can you do to get better and be ready for the season? I can remember Anthony Munoz when I was in Cincinnati, uh, you know, was somebody I leaned on a lot as a mentor of mine and, you know, one of the greatest ever played the game. And, and uh, you know, he used to always tell me like, man, the off season is, is, is the time to be selfish. And, and what he meant by that was that it's the time to really hone in on what it is that you do and uh, and really you know, fine tune those skills so that when you get together in camp, when you get together in the season, it's really about executing football 
uh, you don't have to spend all your time on those things. And so I think it's important this time of year, guys are really focused on locking down the techniques and fundamentals it takes to play this game. And that's the reason why he's been playing for so long, Andrew Whitworth, because he gets it. You know, you, you've seen the reports of some players not showing up, and you got guys who probably want different contracts. And look, we, we get all that. I understand that. But Big Wit is telling you there, and that's one of the reasons why when I was an active player in the NFL, why I was always at the OTAs and the mini camps. I think he said it best, being selfish. I, I was selfish during the offseason. I was. I was selfish because I wanted to get better. And the opportunity to get better and try new things is in the offseason program, is in the OTAs, in the mini camps, where you try different things to better your game. Reason why Tom Brady always says, I want to get 1% better every single year. He's a guy who's won seven Super Bowls, and yet he's still trying to get 1% better because the competition in the NFL, it's never going to get worse. It was only going to get better and better and better. And how do you transition your game? What do you do for your game? And that's why I think the Rams are headed right now. I think when you got leaders like Andrew Whitworth and Aaron Donald, both who are there at the OTAs and working out, when your hardest workers are there, man, it just does something to the rest of the team. Look, also, too, on the other side, too, the, the Chargers, they're doing some things. And when I say they're doing some things, Brandon Staley, new head coach, they're developing a chemistry right now. They've got the quarterback in Justin Herbert. But I think a lot of people are not talking are not talking enough about this draft class. I know Greeny is. Mike Greenberg, he had some thoughts on this Chargers draft class. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm definitely agreeing with him on this one. Here's Mike Greenberg on Get Up. If you ask me who do I think had the very best draft, I think I would say the Chargers. If only because I think that they filled their needs exactly, exactly. We spent so much time in the pre- preparation for this draft going over team needs. The overwhelming needs the Chargers had were offensive line. For them to get Rashawn Slater at 13, literally exactly what they needed, plus they addressed the offensive line in free agency. They addressed all their needs, and they've got some key contributors that will be playing right away. They got a receiver in Josh Palmer. They got Asante Samuel Jr. at corner. They went ahead and got Rashawn Slater, who we had on this program just a couple weeks ago. If you missed that interview with Rashawn Slater, the left tackle, first-round pick of the Chargers, make sure you go to our, our station's website. Go to our Twitter handle. Go look it up. Go find podcasts. Make sure you go find L.A. Gridiron Weekly on the drop down. You can go back to that Rashawn Slater interview. It was a good one, by the way. Uh, We had a little debate about In-N-Out versus Whataburger. He chose Whataburger, but I'm telling you, he will change and get on the In-N-Out bandwagon very, very soon. But a little bit of the Chargers that and that, look, they are going to be a team that will depend on some of these younger players to fill those roles, especially at the left tackle. But that's what these OTAs and these mandatory mini camps are all about. That's why I think I'm so excited to see where both of these teams are going. And we'll get into more of that in just a little bit. I want to just press pause here. I want to take a little bit of a break because last week we got into some Pac-12 football talk. But I said, you know what? No, nah, we just ain't going to talk about the Pac-12. Let's focus in on the two teams here in Los Angeles, UCLA, USC. Let's focus on those two teams. Let's get the word of what's going on in Westwood and down in downtown Los Angeles on the campus of USC. The first guy I can't wait to talk to, James H. Williams. He's the reporter for UCLA, for the OC Register, digital content producer. 
He's going to give us the lowdown on the UCLA Bruins. That's coming up next here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. That's right. Yes, indeed. On a Saturday here, LA Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-ESPN. It's 877-710-3776. I told you guys we, we, we're doing this college football weekend. Um, obviously, we always got to find a way to talk about the NFL, but man, so much response again from last week talking college football. And let's get right back to it. This time, we're going to head over to Westwood. Westwood. That's right. UCLA. And the guy who's going to help me to do it is James H. Williams. He's the digital sports producer for the OC Register, the SoCal News Group. You can follow him on Twitter at JHW Reporter. Man, James, what's up, my brother? How you doing today? I'm doing well. Excited to talk UCLA football. Obviously, UCLA coming off of a spring camp, a late spring camp compared to everybody else uh, out in the country. So excited to talk about the Bruins today. Well, let, let's start right there, because last year, 2020, the pandemic season, mm-hmm. a shortened season, I had a right. chance to do uh, what I had three UCLA games last year. OK, and you could see the progress that was made in Chip Kelly year three. And I didn't want to th- like have it as a throwaway year, James. Like, mm-hmm. is this a throwaway year or is this a real year? But at the end of the day. They go three and four. They lose that final game at the Rose Bowl against Stanford. And so to me, I looked and said, this is still a successful season, even though they didn't finish Mm -hmm. at 500 or better. What was your take on UCLA of 2020? So I started covering the team, I think, like right after non-conference of 2019. So I kind of jumped right into that Pac-12 conference schedule and Mm – just watching the way that kind of played out, jumping into 2020 and wondering what that's going to be. All things considered with what went on with pandemic, you know, you kind of go into it thinking it's going to be a throwaway year. And it really kind of wasn't for the Bruins. When you think about it, despite everything, everything that went on, uh, Chip Kelly was also very proud of the way the Bruins went about handling testing and, and the results that they had. Obviously, it did catch up with them in the middle of the season there with guys like DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, yeah. the starting quarterback, and a few others. But definitely not a throwaway year. Um, by the time we got to that Stanford game at the end, I mean, they were – I was – you know, you just kind of – wow, they're finally 500. I think it had been at least the first time since maybe the first or second. No, I don't – I think that might have been the first time they were over 500 at, at any point was, was this past season uh, during the Chip Kelly era. Um, so definitely not a throwaway year. It was a little disappointing if you're a Bruins fan with the way things finished, um, you know, not finishing over 500 or at 500, but all things considered great season. Um, you know, they added a guy like Brian Norwood in to help with the defense. The defense was much improved, but Norwood still has some work to do with those defensive backs and that passing game uh, and how they're going to go about defending the passing game. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, one of the things that I was, um, how, how can I say this? I, I felt that the whole COVID situation with him really cost them the game at Oregon. You know, Chip Kelly goes to Oregon, going back to Oregon, you know, mm-hmm. the hoopla around that one. And Dorian Thompson Robinson's in this COVID protocol, yet he never tests positive for COVID because he was a high tracing contact. Mm-hmm. He couldn't play. And UCLA really, I thought, dominated that football game at times, yeah. and yet they missed out on a big opportunity to really have, I think, a, a signature win in the Chip Kelly era. 
and you said it right there, especially because Chip Kelly's from Oregon. The name is, you know, attached to Oregon um, in so many different ways. Definitely would have been a big win for them. Um, I'm trying to remember what I know Chase Griffin was in that game. Yeah, remember that the, was, the, the interception right before the halftime where he just yeah, throws the ball away. And I'm saying, what are you doing? Right. And he throws the costly mm-hmm. interception as return for a yeah. pick six. And that's kind of <laughs> and that's kind of what took the wind out of the sails there. But for me, that was more or less a turning point. I think when we'll look like big picture at like, you know, um, the Bruins got something here. Like, you know, there's something to it, even though it was a loss. I mean, I believe Oregon was ranked at the time. I think that they kind of fell down and they might have went back up in the rankings, kind of lost track of Oregon at at the end of the season with all things Bruins. But it was just like it was such a signature win for them. And when you think about the number of wins that they or the number of losses that they had last season, there was uh what what did we say? There were four and five. And I believe most of those were within 15 points. So you're looking at a combined 15 points that could have made it an undefeated season if we want to go that route. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know if we want to go that far, you know. Right. Um, but it there was like a 15-point gap there, just in general. And again, a lot of that, like I said, goes back to the passing game. Um, and with the defense defending the pass, but going to the, the quarterback again, Dorian Thompson Robinson, had he not missed some of those games, it would have been interesting to see how things would have played out. Um, we can get into it a little bit later about yeah. the quarterback depth and what they have, because, you know, we're, we're not wishing any injuries or, or, or but, but that's the way the game goes. DTR has yet to really play um, a complete schedule. There's always some injuries. There's always some, some nicks some bumps some bruises, some, uh, contact tracing through COVID, you know, it, it's always something. And, you know, a lot of it's, you know, that's not his fault. And that's just the game of football. But, um, you know, it's interesting to see how things would have turned out if DTR was completely healthy. Yeah, I feel like he's the story, no matter what. Definitely, definitely. Always. Yeah, we're talking to the digital sports producer from the OC Register, the SoCal News Group, James H. Williams, joining LA Gridiron Weekly here on 710 ESPN. And so, look, James, look, the UCLA Bruins opted out of playing in a bowl game. So even they had an opportunity to play, even though they didn't (laughs) finish at 500, they said, you know what? We're just going to turn the page to 2021. And that mm-hmm. being said, they lose a couple players, Odigi Zua, also yes. Demetric Felton, two of the mm-hmm. higher, you know, the big time players that go on to yeah. the National Football League. But again, let's start with the 2021 Bruins. And it does start with the quarterback depth. Let's start with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And what should we expect from him for a guy who said he's coming? He came back for his senior year, but I'm saying, you weren't going to get drafted anyway. <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, I love Dorian Thompson Robinson, but hey, brother, we didn't need all of that. You better come back. You got some, you got some things you got to prove here. Hey, what, whatever's going to, you know, whatever, whatever it's going to take to kind of get you going, you know, whatever. But no, but, but that's the thing with DTR, you know, and, and Chip Kelly in general, then those yeah. two names, they're, I mean, they're, they're tied at, at the hip because very, very true. they came in together more or less, you know, three years in where we're, this is the fourth year. Um, there's no more, oh, we're, we're building a guy. We're building a program. This is the, you know, you hear all these rebuilds and different things. This is what you rebuilt. Like this is, this is, is Chip Kelly's program. This is his quarterback. This is his year. It has to be his year. Um, it was interesting that we talked to uh, DTR after the spring showcase. They didn't really have a spring game. Right. Um, it was more or less just a, it was just another practice, honestly. Um, but he kind of 
I don't want to say he slipped up or what, but again, like you mentioned, he kind of said, well, if this is my last year, well, he kind of said like, this is my last year. This might be, I don't know. He kind of said something to right. make it out like this was his last year, but it's kind of like, I don't know. Don't, don't go that far ahead. You, you might want to take advantage of, of that extra year of eligibility you may have. Um, which, you know, could could work out to his benefit. But again, I think with DTR, turnovers, 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 I can't say it enough. Um, again, you know, and, and and it's not even maybe just DTR. We we just talked about Chase Griffin, some of the turnovers in that Oregon game. And, um, you know, we didn't, obviously with the shorter schedule, I think DTR had like six turnovers um, or six interceptions. Um, but prior to that, the year, he was like in double digits, I believe, in that 2019 season. And that's what still stood out to me. I asked DTR if, if that's something that continues to be improved upon because before the 2020 season, he, he mentioned himself turnovers are something he wanted to work on. Um, I asked him again uh, after that spring showcase, is that the case? Is the turnovers like still something you're working? He said, yeah, obviously, of course, of course it is among other things. Um, they do have Ryan Gunderson now as the new quarterback coach who's going to help go in there and, and DTR and a few of the other quarterbacks have mentioned give the uh, fresh and different perspective compared to Dana Bible, who had been there um, throughout Chip Kelly's three years and even prior to that with Chip Kelly. So um, some new life in the quarterback room and, and, um, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see what it does for DTR. Um, he, you know, he has the swag, he has everything else going for him on Twitter. You know, it's all there. He just has to limit the turnovers and, and do his thing and play ball. Look, there's uh four big time, I would say football factories in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. USC, UCLA, obviously the Rams and the, yeah. and the Chargers. If mm-hmm. someone said Los Angeles quarterback, wouldn't DTR be like the prototypical, the look of what you would think of a Los Angeles quarterback? You, you, you know I've I mean? never, I've never really thought of that, but yeah, I mean, right. like you just, you see the different things he like, he was at this um, quarterback uh, retreat recently and he's out there in sunglasses and having the time <laughs> of his life and and spinning the ball around you know what I mean it was just typical LA Hollywood kind of vibes yeah. and that doesn't mean he's not like a good dude or he's not a humble dude he's just very confident in himself and I mean that's all you can ask for when, when it comes to quarterback play right yeah exactly right James H. Williams <laughs> digital producer for the SoCal News Group OC registered joining LA Gridiron Weekly but uh, as we start to dive in a little bit more into the team, mm-hmm. um, obviously there's going to be some guys returning back. Brother Britton Brown at running back. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg Dulcich, man, was a big-time tight end. I thought really took some huge strides. Yeah. Probably one of the better tight ends, maybe not just in the Pac-12, but <laughs> seems to be a one of the better tight ends in the country. So That's how right. do you see just overall uh, this offense heading into 21? So obviously it's going to benefit them greatly to have um, – everybody come back. I think 19 starters are both on the offense and the defense together. Um, and again, we mentioned the guys that, that left for the NFL um, with Felton and, and Osa mm-hmm. um, Felton will be missed, but is right. there, the void is it's going to be quickly filled here. Um, so Britton Brown, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird, especially we'll, we'll talk about the running back depth. You know, Britton Brown is the starter we think is the starter, but, Zach Charbonnet, who transferred in from Michigan, um, I was considered may have considered UCLA at one time coming out of um, I'm blanking on. Uh, is it Harvard Westlake no, yeah. or is it either Harvard Westlake or Orange or Oaks Christian? I'm blanking at the yeah, moment. One of the so- one of the SoCal CIS. One schools. of those <laughs> one of the SoCal powerhouses. <laughs> is, you know, but 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 Zach Charbonnet is was 
had all eyes on him and he yeah. was having the time of his life and he's he's going to be someone you know if, if you're not following the spring if you don't keep an eye on what they do in the summer he's going to surprise you during the season um zach charbonnet i you know you asked chip kelly who's the starter or what he's going to tell you he doesn't he doesn't do starters, right. which is impossibly, you know, and not possible when someone has to start. <laughs> Unless you put them both out there, however you want to do it. Um, Britton Brown may get to start, especially early on. He's going to be the senior. He was there last year. Right. Um, but it's going to be the same dynamic as when Britton came in with Felton, right? Yes. So Felton was the starter. Felton can also play some receiver. Britton Brown came in just saying, hey, I'm just the, like, I'm just the running back. You know, I was never really asked to do anything but would go out and get some passes too um, by the, by the time the season was done. Um, Zach Charbonnet can kind of come in and fill in that Britain Brown role that, that mold is kind of there. Um, and the transfer portal and what UCLA has done with that is a whole nother thing. Yes, but Zach Charbonnet is definitely um, in the mix to help the Bruins fill that void left by Felton. Talk about Greg Dolchich. I mean, that dude is a stud and, yeah. and, you know, I stand, I, I stand close to him or we're, we're we're closer to the end zone where he's has made a home, um, you know, during practice. And he's a, he's a, he's a big dude. Like, yeah, he <laughs> he's come our way with a few of those balls that DTR is throwing. And I just move out of the way. If any other reporter wants to stand in the way and take a hit from Greg, that's their business. But I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not taking a hit from Greg. He's really big. He's looking good. Um, probably added a little bit more muscle from what we've seen um, throughout the, you know, since the off season. And uh, he should be in for a big year. I mean, it, the secret's kind of out, I guess, now this year. Right. Um, you know, obviously with COVID and, and team just working on on getting through the season and, and just doing them. Um, that's one thing, you know. But the tight end play the last three years um, or four years now, I guess, has been good. You know, the, the last two tight ends have gone on to the NFL. Yep. Um, and this will actually be Greg will actually be the first one in like four or five years where they've had a returning starter at the position. Um, so we'll have a little bit of consistency this time around with the tight end and what Greg can do. Obviously, DTR and Greg are roommates. So the chemistry is there. Right. They're they're talking things out, you know, 24 seven more or less. So, you know, that there's no doubt who the favorite <laughs> target's going to be. And if there's someone you want to try and catch the ball big Greg is going to be the one to get it done. You know, James, I'm going to save the, the big question for last year. Okay. Um, when it comes to UCLA football, they mm -hmm. have a new athletic director in Martin Jarman. Yes. And so everyone around is going to say this program is invested into what Chip Kelly wanted in the first three years. Mm -hmm. This is now year four. Is this the hot seat year for Chip Kelly? And what is the true expectation? True expectation. I don't, this is not a national championship type team. Right. But what right. is the true expectation for Chip Kelly and the 21 Bruins? I mean, I get like, so I would just say, try and get above 500. I mean, they obviously they would want more than that. But right. for me, I'm saying get above 500. Let's get a winning season under the belt for the Bruins and let's build some momentum. Um, whether or not DTR comes back, what, who, who knows what's going to happen with a lot, a lot of these guys because with right. a lot of the eligibility and stuff, you know, so it, it looks great right now. You got all these guys coming back. <laughs> the UCLA is one of the um, best in the country with the number of, with, with the biggest, as far as numbers of, of returners. Right. So what that looks after this season, we don't know, but for this season, 
Um, the expectations should be a little bit higher than they would have any other Chip Kelly season at UCLA. Um, obviously, yeah, uh, I guess I never really thought about that. With the new AD, uh, Chip Kelly isn't his guy. But, you know, Martin Jarman's a positive dude and has done a lot of, you know, great things, you know, uh, during his time so far at UCLA, including the Jordan brand deal. We can get yeah. into that a little bit later, too. Um <laughs> But there, there's a lot of there's just a lot of things to look forward to. And is the seat hot for Chip Kelly? I don't. Yeah, I, I guess it, it is. But I feel like it's been hotter at other points. If that makes sense. <laughs> like I like I feel it, it was hotter early on, and I would be lying if I told you I didn't start pre-writing a story after. Uh, at the end of the 2019 season, which might have just been early in general and maybe a little overreacting by me. But there was this buzz going around of like, is this it? Where is it going? You know what I mean? And it was kind of just interesting to see after these press conferences, you saw Dan Guerrero kind of hovering around in the background after losses and stuff at the Rose Bowl. And then as soon as Chip Kelly would be done talking, Dan Guerrero would leave, um, who was who was the AD before Jarman. Right. Um, and he was, so he wouldn't even stay for the player interview. So it was just this interesting, like he was there just to kind of hear what Chip Kelly had to say. And then it was like, he was gone. And I was like, Oh my God, what's going on? Like, it was just, it was just, it was interesting. But I, so the seat is hot, but I, but I think it's been hotter at other times. We'll see how the season goes. Ask me that question again after the midway point of the season. But again, too, if, if you look at the schedule, it yeah. favors them with three straight home games and non-conference play. One of those is against LSU. But, you know, if, if, you know, if you can't come out two and three, two of three in, in your first three in that non-conference schedule, then what are we doing? Mm, yeah, well, a lot to see with the Bruins this what year, doing, man. Right? A lot to see with the <laughs> Bruins. But you can follow his coverage of the UCLA football team. It's available at the OC Register. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at JHW Reporter. That's James H. Williams, the digital producer for the OC Register and the SoCal News Group. We're going to come back. I want to dive into a lot of those uh, things that James had to say, especially uh, about Chip Kelly. What, what's your thoughts on Chip Kelly. Let me know. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. More LA Gridiron Weekly coming up next on 710 ESPN. Oh, special thanks again to James H. Williams, the reporter from the OC Register covers UCLA football. Coming up in just uh, about like about five, five, six minutes, we go uh, to the other school in Los Angeles, USC. The, the, the team or the one that's been the more dominant uh, over the last I would say decade plus when it comes to the Pac-12 and we know about the early 2000s in USC and their reign over uh, Los Angeles football. So we'll get to that. Ryan Karchi, he covers the team for the L.A. Times. He'll be coming up in just about six minutes. I want to get your thoughts on UCLA. What's your thoughts on Chip Kelly? And then just also the NFL questions as well. 877-17-ESPN, 877-37. Seven six is the phone number. Let's go to the phone line. Now, I know we had a couple of phone calls. Let's get a couple calls here before we get to Ryan uh, Karchi in just a second. Let's go to uh, Mitch. Mitch, you're on LA Gridiron Weekly. What's going on, Mitch? How's it going, Craig? Hope I'm you doing have a good. good weekend. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, appreciate it. What's going on, Mitch? 
You you had the two best uniforms in your professional career. I know you, Jacksonville and Oakland Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> can't do anything with those uniforms. I wish Jacksonville would stick with what works. The original is always the best. Yeah. Hey, hey the Buffalo Bills uniform is not too bad as well, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I forgot about that, but they were also in the, in the Blue family. My my mistake. Sure. Um, first, thank God for the Clippers win, because that would have been a monumental disaster. <laughs> I'm a big USC right. fan. I like the quarterback they got, Keaton, and the two uh, freshmen in common. They came, they arrived to school early. Yeah. I'm sorry about Jack, Jake Garcia. Uh, I think he'll do well in Miami. And I'm worried about the wide receivers. I think they got three or four first round wide receivers on the team, Brew, and especially Drake London. Give me a top five pick. I hope he wins the Heisman, but that's just me, not you. <laughs> Thanks for taking the call. Oh, appreciate the phone call, mate. There you go. Getting some USC uh, conversation started right before we get to Ryan Carty of the LA Times. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little USC and get what he thinks uh, the quarterback situation. Obviously, Keaton Slovis is the number one guy. He's a guy that, you know, coming in, it's uh, always seems to be that we always focus on that quarterback for USC. They've had some good ones that come through there. Is Keaton Slovis the next? What do we think about Keaton Slovis, by the way? UC, I mean, USC quarterback. Actually, who's got the better quarterback this year? That should be the debate. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Who has the better quarterback, in your opinion, in Los Angeles when it comes to college football? Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA or Keaton Slovis at USC? I want to get your thoughts on that. But uh, let's take a break here. I want to get caught up on what's going on down there at USC. My guy, Ryan Karchi of the L.A. Times, he's going to join L.A. Gridiron Weekly coming up next here on 710 ESPN.